Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. Um, I brought on a draft expert to talk about the two players the Raptors have picked, Malachi Flynn, 29th overall, and Jalen Harris, uh, 59 overall, uh, in the 2020 NBA draft. And joining me to discuss them is Zach Milner uh, from The Stepian. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, as well as you can. I mean, and I know you, uh, you're you based on the West Coast, so I'll just let you know that there is, like, I don't know, man, three inches of snow on the ground already. It's, yes. uh, <laughs> it's wet. There's salt on the ground. It's uh, it's not a great time, but I mean, at least we got basketball to carry us through the winter, even though the Raptors are in Tampa. Um, so let's start with the two players, man, because I've, you know, a lot of the research that um, that I found the most helpful for these two players was um, the draft profiles that you wrote about these two guys on the Stepien. And I highly recommend everybody who's looking to get more information on these two uh, new Raptors to take a look there because it's extremely insightful. Uh, let's start with Malachi, man. Um, so I, I just want to start off here. What was his role with San Diego State last year? Uh, obviously, that was a really, really successful team. They went 30-2. and two. He seemed to be the main piece of that. What was his role and what did he play uh, for that team? Yeah, he was just pretty much the primary ball handler, um, point guard. Took a lot of uh, responsibilities on the team, very high usage, but he led them to have a really good season. It sucks that we didn't get to see him in the March Madness because I think that they were an incredible team and people always talked about how they didn't always play the best competition, but even non-conference, they had some good win. And, and yeah, he was the leader of that team pretty much. Right. Um, do you feel like, honestly, because he won 29th overall, I mean, if they went on a great tournament run, do you feel like he could have raised the stock or is that realistic? Yeah, I think it could have gone a little higher. I mean, I, I thought that he could have gone higher even without the tournament. Um, mm. I would have taken him higher than 29th myself. Uh, not that much higher. But yeah, a, a successful tournament run and, and playing against better competition and, and proving himself there even more would have only helped him. All right, so um, how do you like his fit with the Raptors um, in terms of his his game, in terms of maybe even looking at the roster a little bit, although, of course, the NBA rosters nowadays change so much year to year. But how do you like his fit within the Raptors organization? Yeah, overall, I'm, I'm really happy to see him there. Good organization that has a, a, done a great job developing players in recent history. So you can't complain at all there. And as soon as it was the Raptors pick and I knew he was on the board, I, I said that was going to be the pick. It was, it was a pretty obvious pick to me. I will say that I'm, I'm really confident in him being a productive player in Toronto. Uh, I will say that the Raptors are – they're not as pick-and-roll heavy as uh, I, I'd like for a team for him to go to because he's a really good pick-and-roll player. Mm. Uh, um, I think they were, like, on Synergy, one of, like, the least four or five frequencies um, pick-and-roll for the team. But I'm not too worried about that. I think that they'll, when he's on the floor, they'll put him in a uh, position to succeed as, as they've done with other players. And, and, yeah, I think with the team, I mean, they brought that – Fred Van Vliet, and, and they still have Kyle Lowry. So he, he can be that third guard that they need um, in the future. And maybe there's there's some starter upsides there uh, with him as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, even just speaking to, I mean, fit, I don't think the Raptors picked necessarily based on fit ever. Um, and I don't think it was a fit for this case. But I mean, even last season, the Raptors were running a lot of like Pat McCaw, backup point guard, which is fine. McCaw has some, you know, attributes that he does well, but offensively, he's kind of very limited. So to upgrade in skill in that third point guard position um, to a guy like Malachi, I think is going to really help. Uh, if not this year, then definitely going forward. Um, what do you what do you think is the best trade about Malachi? Obviously, you already brought up the pick and roll game. Um, you know, it, I'm assuming that's the best part of his game. Yeah, yeah, it's the best part of his game. Pretty clearly to me, I think he's probably the best. He was probably the best pick and roll player in the class. Wow, I mean, look, that's that's pretty big. I mean, it's I mean, and when you look at the numbers too, it completely backs it up. Um, again, in, included in your uh, your 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 scouting profile. Uh, you know, his synergy numbers, I mean, in the pick and roll, 1.06 points per play. That's 96 percentile in the NCAA last year. That's 40% of his possessions as well. He shot 48% out of those. And I'm assuming some of those were threes too. So that's really impressive. I mean, what, what is it specifically about his pick and roll game? That's so effective. He's just a complete player in the pick and roll. He can score in so many different ways. He has really nice handles as well. So against the big and that's drop coverage, he'll use it in and out with his left hand or his right to get to the basket. I will say later on, um, I'll bring it up as well, that I, I do think that he can get to the basket a little more than he does because okay. of uh, his handles. But either way, he, he's still good at using that. He's able to shoot off the dribble. And yeah, like I said, just one of the best pick and roll players in the class because he's so complete there. Um, yeah, that's... I'll get more... I'll get more into his passing in a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, do you see that that pick and roll game as his elite skill at the next level? Is 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 that kind of how you figure? Yeah, it's it's, it's elite skill at the next level. He's also a really good shooter, but pick and roll is definitely his elite skill. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, I look, you know, when you talk about completing the pick and roll game, right? I mean, it's you know, you talk about the different ways that he can kind of um, get to his shot, stuff like that. You know, the pull up three. I, I think one thing in particular that's kind of unique about him is um, he's got a floater, which I believe he shot at about forty four percent last season. Obviously, as a you know, a bit of an undersized guard without like elite athleticism, you're probably going to need some sort of counter against bigs. That's something something that you know the Raptors bigs don't really, or the Raptors guards don't really have that. In their game, I'm not saying that uh, Flynn is already better than Kyle or Fred. Obviously, that's ridiculous. But, you know, that's something that even those guys lack in their game. Um, And he hits that floater at an effective rate. I mean, talk about maybe just a floater a little bit because that's kind of a unique aspect. Yeah, I mean, his floater is really important to his game. Like I said, he doesn't get to the rim as much as I'd like him to get. But um, the floater helps there as well because – if the big's dropping and he's able to get the floater off over the contest, if he doesn't want to get all the way to the rim, he's still successful there. And just having that floater and that pull-up game will just open up his ability to attack the basket and get to the basket more because then they're going to want to contest him further out from the basket. And then he can use his handles um, and nice balance and um, able to get to the basket. Are we talking like left hand, right hand floater, both hands maybe? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's mostly the right hand. Okay. Um, Mostly the right hand, but he's able to finish with both hands around the basket as well. But he definitely prefers his right hand. Right, right, right. For sure. Um, now, I think we kind of know how, he, you know, he's going to be able to run point because of that pick and roll ability. And he's got great handles. Um, I think one of the questions is, can he play off the ball? Because if you look at the Raptors right now, they pretty much have two point guards playing in the backcourt quite successfully. Um, but that does mean that someone's going to have to be off the ball. And I think Fred, 
his biggest development in the NBA has been learning how to play off ball and being effective attacking off the catch, you know, pick, uh, catching and shooting. Kyle has also kind of had a similar development. Um, just, you know, this happened many years ago now, so we don't notice it as much. Do you think Flynn has the kind of skill set to be able to play off the ball with another lead hand, a ball handler? Yeah, I think he does. Um, he's, he's a really good shooter. Like I said, this past year, he shot uh, 37% from three on good volumes and on spot up threes, he shot 43.1%. Okay. Um, 22 or 51. So not the highest volume there, but he, he's been a really good shooter throughout his college career. So I, I don't question his ability to play off the ball. I think that he has shown some ability to, to shoot off of movement as well while, while coming off screens, reading how the defense is guarding him, getting his feet set quickly, whether he's, he's flaring or curling or whatever and getting the shot off. Um, he, he's a little bit more comfortable coming off to his right than coming off to his left when coming off screens. Okay. But he has also shown a few flashes of turning midair, which which gives the defense very little time to recover. And for someone his size who who doesn't really have the height to shoot over everyone, mm-hmm. that's going to be important. Um, I'm not sure how great of a movement shooter coming off screens he can be, but he has shown flashes there and there's room for improvement. But just even spotting up, he can definitely um, provide value there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I think when you look at the fundamentals of how he shoots and the the, the results of how he shoots and stuff like that, I think you know, you're pretty confident. I think part of it just speaks to role, right? I think obviously when he was playing uh, at San Diego last year, there was no, you know, Kyle or Fred to play off of like that. So you had to be more on the ball. And I think, um, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be an important development, but I also feel pretty confident about that. Um, You know, in terms of his mental makeup, obviously as a point guard, that's pretty important to me. I've only talked to him a couple of times in sort of the, uh, you know, press conferences about that. He seems like a really serious, like really grounded dude. Like I remember on draft night when we talked to him, maybe like 10 minutes after he got picked, uh, he didn't look like he was thrilled. I feel like every rookie is grinning. He just seemed like really flat monotone. He seemed really chill about the whole thing. What's his mental makeup like um, from that end? Yeah, so I haven't had a chance to, to talk to him personally like you have, but I think that um, when it comes to big-time moments and crunch time and the clutch, um, he, he's not really scared. He'll, he'll, he'll shoot when he needs to. He'll do whatever he can, he can for his team to win, which is really important. Um, as I mentioned before, having the tournament, having March Madness, having him on the big stage mm. um, would have been really nice to see. I don't think he's, I don't think he's scared of anything. Um, he's just out there to play basketball, and it seems like he loves playing basketball. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, I mean, when you watch a lot of the highlight types of this, of him, um, he, he does have a, quite a few, um, you know, big time moments over that. And I was actually watching, um, he did a, a video uh, breakdown with Mike Schmitz of uh, ESPN. Yes. And he was talking about there something that I didn't realize was that he used to be uh, more of a scorer, I think. And then he kind of transitioned to playing more of a point guard kind of role. Uh, is that something you kind of notice in his game too, that he's more of like, I guess, score first? Or, I mean, like, what kind of point guard um, should we kind of expect stylistically? Yeah, I think he's a little bit of both now. I mean, his I think his passing has gotten better since when he was at Washington State. Um, at Washington State, he was still a really good pick and roll player. But but yeah, I, I think you. I'm not sure if I, I say to expect more scoring or passing. I mean, I think I would say he's probably more towards scoring than passing. But he's a good passer as well. Um, can make a wide variety of passes, and and yeah, he. He has both of those to his game, but I think his ability to shoot and score off the dribble and finish around the rim probably makes him a little bit more of a scorer than a passer. Right. Well, I mean, on the subject of passing, like 
how is he as a passer? You know, um, I, I think one thing that maybe stands out a little bit when you watch some of the, and again, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I watched a bunch of NCAA games last year. I didn't. Um, but uh, when you watch some of the highlights, it's by that. I mean, it seems like he's really good at just using the threat of his pick and roll game to open up uh, opportunities for his big man, because, um, because he's such a good shooter, a lot of teams would kind of trap him or kind of pressure up top. And uh, that opened up a lot of lanes for his bigs. And he's, Seems pretty creative in terms of how he gets the ball um, down into the, the roller there. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, um, he's, he's a really good passer. I, I don't want to take away from his passing when I said he's probably more of a scorer, but, mm. but he is a really good passer. He's above average there. Um, can make a wide variety of passes out of the pick and roll, um, pocket passes, cross-score skip passes going right or left, dump-offs, has a few wraparounds. And then, like you said, um, using the pick and roll gravity to dump it off or throw it over the top to bigs on those passes over the top to bigs when they're rolling has really good touch on those. I will say one thing about his passing that could use a little bit of improvement, which it isn't really a flaw of his, but there is some room for improvement is just uh, the placement and accuracy of his uh, passes Hmm. sometime when it gets to the players on the um, ideal spot, but it's not like he's throwing the ball way out of bounds or anything. It just can uh, improve the passing placement just a little more and help the to make the shot up a little faster but that's not that's not a big worry of mine at all not even a concern it's just something he can improve on right of course um actually just out of curiosity like uh what kind of bigs was he playing with last year like mostly like rollers poppers what kind of what kind of bigs was he kind of playing with yeah he, he had both um rollers and poppers I, I i would like to see him more with uh more more of a lob threat i mean he threw some he mm. threw some lobs but i but i do think that he didn't have um the he he can have a better lob threat with him, but he, he did have rollers and poppers. So he, he's able to show both of those passes. Okay, that's interesting. Um, now, I think one of the biggest developments in Malachi's game last year was his defense. He really, I don't know if he was necessarily known for his defense before. Um, I mean, just, I think, basically, on the history of Washington State, I don't feel like they're a really a defensively oriented team um, most times. But uh, he seemed to be a really good defender last year. The metrics love him as on defense, you know, 1.8 steals per game. Um, first off, I guess, you know, what does he do really well on defense? Yeah, so he, he he's small, so he will have his flaws on defense. But I was really impressed with, with his defense in college. And I think what he does well is just he, he's physical. He's physical okay. on the defensive end. And, and that's pretty much where he becomes a good defender for his size at college. Now, whether that translates or not to the next level is still to be determined, but he's still a smart defender. And there, I remember there was this game versus Creighton where just even off the ball, not even on the ball, he's constantly swiveling his head and they try to backdoor him. He's jumping the lane to backdoor. He'll deflect the pass. That's a backdoor pass. So he's just, he's smart and he's physical. Okay. I mean, look, listen, if you're going to be a good defender as an undersized guard, those are absolute musts. Right. And if we see that with Fred and we see that with Kyle, I think one of the questions that people have is, can he guard some twos? Because I think that's going to be pretty important, especially if he's going to be sharing a lot of backcourt minutes with two other guards that are kind of small. Right. So I'm I'm not sure that he can guard two. So I guess him him playing next to another guard will make it a, a small backcourt, which will have some flaws there. But. I don't know about the twos because he, he is small. I think there's probably some twos that he can guard that are just limited offensively. So um, ones that just can't bully him, just, just have a few inches on him and they're stronger than him. But also the ones that are off ball, he, he's a good job uh, chasing and then denying. But at the same time, if they have a couple inches on him, they might be able to get a shot off over right, him right. if they create some space. So, 
So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I wouldn't expect it out of him if it happens great, but, but I wouldn't expect that out of him, but, but at the one spot, I mean, the point guard spot also one of the toughest positions of the card in the NBA. Oh, so yeah. it, it is, it is tough to expect a lot out of him there just because of who is going up against Dame, Steph, Russ, <laughs> all these players. So, so yeah. it's, you can't really expect him to stop any of those, yeah. but, but there's a chance that, that his physicality, um, with other point guards, especially when he if he's off the bench, those bench guards and his IQ can make him a, a impactful defender given his size. But I, I wouldn't expect too much on that end just because it's hard for a small guard. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, um, one thing I do like about him is you know Nick Nurse really Nick is really big in terms of defensively on applying ball pressure at almost all times, and I I like the way Flynn really attacked the ball. You know, I mean, obviously in college, you see a lot more zone. You see a lot more uh, full court press, stuff like that. And I thought, honestly, at the point of attack, he did quite well for that. Um, so, uh, again, I mean, I think the tools are, I mean, even though the tools are limited, I think his style of defense, I think, probably fits with the Raptors. Um, outside of, like, height and wingspan, obviously, like, what's the biggest limitation of his game? Just, like, strictly speaking about his actual, like, skill set. Because, you know, whatever, height and wingspan, he can't really do anything about that. Yeah, that, that's tough because I don't really think he has that many big flaws um, okay. in terms of actual talent. So, like, it, most of the stuff does come down to his size, whether it's height, wingspan, or I guess athleticism. It's not like he's a bad athlete at all, but he's not a crazy athlete. So, like, mm-hmm, right. I think how when I, brought, when I brought up about how he can attack the basket, he has good handles and stuff. He, he doesn't have the, the quickest burst, but he has some burst to him. So, com- combining his burst with his handles is enough for him to get to the basket, which he can do a little bit more often. But, but yeah, I I think it's just not being a crazy athlete, um, which is a small limitation for him, but it's not like he's a bad athlete either. Um, But yeah, I I say that. Is there like a, um, well, I mean, I guess, is there a big area of improvement for him that you feel like outside of just refining his game that he can maybe add or anything like that? I'd probably say just um, get into the basket more often because that opens up, um, if they have to guard him when he's attacking, that opens up more shooting off the dribble. And then also it opens up more passing lanes where other people are helping on him. He can kick it back out. So I think just attacking the basket more often because he has good touch. Uh, whether the the finishing at the same level translates or not, I, it'll probably take a little bit dip of efficiency, mm-hmm. but he's still good touch. I think he'll be able to finish um, a decent amount at least. So just being able to get to the basket more will, will open up more of the game for him. Um, and then I guess the uh, final question on Malachi before we get on to Jalen Harris, um, how do you think he projects? Like, you know, what, I, I like that you actually, first of all, I like that you didn't just say like, he's going to become this guy or whatever, like on draft night. Cause those are always so lazy, but I, I like that you listed out like three outcomes for him that are like high, medium, and low. Um, take us through some of the outcomes that, you know, could potentially be ahead of uh, Malachi. Yeah, I think, I think on the higher end outcome, outcome for him is he can be a starter who can play on the ball um who create for himself and create for others out of the pick and roll and he also play off the ball with with um spotting up and running off screens and then just adding more strength just helps him on defense although i don't think he's particularly weak anyways but it does come down to um when he's starting or not is probably who the other guard is on the floor with him Mm. because like we said if he if he is playing off the ball next to another guard there is going to be some flaws defensively unless he's next to like a bigger initiator like let's say he were next to someone like Luca or Ben Simmons who they don't jeopardize size on the floor. So he can be the one small guard. So right, right. that just is a question up in the air there. Um, but, but yeah, I think he's going to be an impactful player. Um, he can be an impactful player on a winning team just because of his ability to run the pick and roll and be a shooter off the ball. 
Um, being able to play off the ball um, offers lineup flexibility as well, which is pretty important. And, and yeah, I don't think he'll be able to guard multiple positions, so that will limit him a little. But no, he, he should be an impactful player at the next level. Yeah, and you know, uh, for the 29th pick, I think that's pretty good value. Um, and as you mentioned, man, just really, really polished out of coming out of college. You know, like it's it's kind of. Um, I guess it's not rare. I mean, it's, I guess there is players that come out this polished, but you know, as you mentioned, he's 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 got a lot of parts in this game. I'm excited to see what he does. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, so the 59th pick, Jalen Harris. Um, we'll, we'll start saying kind of the same way we started with Malachi. What, what, what role did Jalen play uh, with Nevada last year? Yeah, he was an on-ball player in Nevada. Um, on ball a good amount also high usage and he and he, he could score out of the pick and roll and iso situation so he's he's pretty much a, a scorer mm-hmm. cool yeah i mean and he scored at a, i feel like at a pretty decent level um you know where, where did you have jalen on your on your board uh or you know maybe where did you expect him to go because um i, I don't know if i did that much research on him uh, I, I saw some people having him in the, you know the 50s so it seemed like he kind of went where he was expected to but uh where, where did you personally have him yeah, so I, I decided to stay away from doing a big general board this year just because I think uh, so much is, is team-dependent, how a certain team will develop certain archetypes. So each team's looking at it differently. Mm-hmm. So, so it's tough and then fit matters. But um, if I had to like to say a range for him, I, I would have I had him in like the, the 30 to 45 range. So, so oh, probably closer yeah. to, to, to 40, around there. Um, so I didn't expect him to go that high. But, but yeah, I thought around 40 would have been good for him. I expected him to go between... 45 60 or undrafted so i expected him to be late second round pick or undrafted i would have had him a little higher than that mm-hmm. so i think they got a good value there as well right right um so uh, let's let's go into his game um does he have an elite skill and and what is that elite skill yeah so his his elite skill is just going to be his scoring mm-hmm. uh, really good score and there's there's not many players who can score like him at the college level and and hopefully that translate there was there was a stretch this year where I think he had four four games in a row where he put up 30-plus points. And, I mean, I'm not a big raw stats kind of guy. But right, right. in college, in college that, that's pretty impressive to, <laughs> to consistently do that over a certain amount of games. So, yeah, he, he's, he's just a really good scorer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that comes through in the film, too, because he kind of – he's a scorer that kind of gets it in a variety of ways. I was asking him um, post-draft workout – or uh, post-draft about sort of, um, you know, where he kind of takes his influence from. And two guys he picked were Grant Hill and uh, Jamal Murray. So he definitely, you know, has studied a lot of scores. I think he kind of reflects in his, his skill set. Um, are there any particular moves or any sort of pr- unique ways in which he scores? Or 
um, you know, that, that kind of stands out to you from watching? Yeah, I, I think out of the pick and roll, um, similar to actually Malachi Flynn, is he, he does a nice in and out um, against the big. And then if they bite on it, he'll pull up. Or, or if, they're, if they're dropping too far back, he'll be able to drop the dribble. But if they're too far um, forward or they bite on it and go a certain way, use the in and out to get to the basket. Right. I feel like he's, he's got a little bit of like a sidestep kind of mid-range jumper too. I feel like he's got, he's got some stuff in the mid-range, which I feel like every, you know, I mean, especially if you're going to be the lead scorer, like you're going to need some kind of complete uh, coverage in terms of your scoring. And I feel like for him, the mid-range piece is actually pretty important. Whether he's yeah. going to be able to get that or whether he's going to have coaches at the next level uh, allowing the 59th pick to consistently take mid-range shots is going to be a big question. So I feel like the Raptors clearly want to play that money ball style, but uh it, it's it's always nice to have that too. Um, yeah. So with with his uh, like you said the sidestep, I would say that's probably one of his better moves as well. I think you see it several times watching him is he'll use the in and out mm. and the pick and roll and use that to get into a sidestep mid range shot. So mm. I think those two combined together are probably his, his two moves that he showed a decent amount and that helps him get to his shots. Right for sure. Um, and I think really the biggest question is can he just extend that beyond the line? Because if you can sidestep and hit be- threes beyond the line. <laughs> Then, uh, then definitely he'll begin that uh, that green light offensively and getting more minutes because of it. Um, actually, one thing that was strange because so he he based on like some of the draft combine um, statistics stuff like that he he graded out really really well. Um, you know, I didn't realize he was such a great leaper because when you watch his game, he's a little bit smoother than you would expect from someone with like a you know crazy vertical. It doesn't really come up with chase down blocks or anything like that. I mean, how does that athleticism play into his game? Because it, it almost feels like a juxtaposition to me. Yeah, so I, I thought he was pretty underrated as an athlete um, throughout the season. And I was sort of confused to why people didn't think that um, as the season went on. I think towards the end of the season or as we got closer to the draft, since we had so much time to go back over film, I think people started to see that a little more often. And then once the combine numbers came out, I mean, he had an insane vertical and measurements there. I will say that the combine numbers this year, some seemed off a decent amount. So I, uh-huh. I wouldn't trust those too much, but I mean, you, you can see him. If you watch enough of him, you could see how high he gets on some dunks. He gets pretty high on some layups as well. I don't think he shows it every game, which is probably mm-hmm. where um, he didn't get as much credit as he should have for being an athlete, which if you don't show it every game, it doesn't really matter if you're not using it. But I, I do think that his athleticism um, is, is a part of his game and he, he has nice bursts as well. I mean, I wouldn't say he didn't show it because I think he did show it a good amount. It's just that I don't think the when people are looking at athleticism, they're trying to see those big bouncy explosive guys, and he does have that. Mm. But I think he showed his burst a decent amount throughout the year, which I think is a good part of his game, and that helps him get to his spots as well. Okay, that's good. I mean, look, listen. I mean, if you, if you're going to shoot a lot of jump shots too, I mean, if you can elevate and get higher on your jump shot too, that's that's always going to help you. Um, Okay, so we talked about his scoring. He seems like that's definitely his, his best skill. What would you say his best trait is aside from scoring? Because I think that's going to maybe be the biggest determinant whether he, A, sticks around in the NBA, and then B, gets a consistent role. Yeah, so I'll say two. Um, I think athleticism is one of them besides scoring. And then the other one is um, his handles. Okay. <laughs> and I, I would say his handles sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with the scoring because it does lead to his scoring, but it's not actually putting the um, ball in the hoop, obviously it just helps him get to his spots. He has a, a wide variety of moves. I, I wouldn't say he was the best handler in this class, but I think he actually was one of the best, uh, one of the better handles in this class. 
Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I mean, he he did he did say that he played a lot of point guard before kind of transitioning over to. I would say he's more of like a two now. Um, yeah. I think him, him growing a little bit bigger has also kind of impacted that that shift as well. But I, I think he does have that kind of uh, what prototypical two guard kind of game. Um, you know, so I think on the on defense, maybe that's kind of the issue because when I'm reading the report, I, I do kind of feel a little bit iffy, I guess, about his defense. Um, what is it about his defense? Is, okay, so I, I feel like there's, you know, different kinds of defenders. There's, like, maybe defenders who are unwilling to defend, maybe defenders who are kind of inattentive, maybe defenders who need to con- conserve so much energy offensively that they don't defend as much. And then there's maybe just people that just, like, don't really have a good sense of how to defend. You know what I mean? Uh, where would you kind of slot and, and describe his sort of defense and, and where it's sort of weak? Yeah, so... I just think his defense is pretty inconsistent. It's, it's I guess, tough to project to the next level because he, he would show um, flashes of it, but there are also times where it just looks bad on that end. I'm hoping the Raptors can get the most out of him there. But I thought he was at his best when he was used as a chaser because he's engaged there um, and just chasing guys around screens. I, I thought he did good. Uh, he did well there. Nice technique getting around screens um, as well. On the ball, sometimes he doesn't get in a stance, which allows people to beat him off the dribble. Um, whether that's just being lazy or, or what well, is to be determined, but it happened a little too much for my liking. And and then off the ball, he showed a general understanding of tagging the real man, stunting, digging, um, rotating, all that kind of stuff. But he didn't always have his head on the swivel, um, and it wasn't always there. So it's, it's more inconsistent on that end, but there have been some flashes there. So we'll just see what the rappers can get out of it. I mean, that's interesting because you would feel like a guy who, you know, is, is pretty good at chasing shooters around would, would be pretty attentive. I mean, that, that probably requires a lot more focus than a lot of other stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. I mean, I, look, it, it, the Raptors obviously have, um, especially under Nick Nurse, they, they really emphasize defense. You know, they've had guys that are pretty offensively skilled, but they just straight up won't play um, because they don't defend at the the correct level. So I think that's going to be a pretty big limitation in terms of uh, whether or not Jalen gets, uh, you know, a playing time or an opportunity, something like that is whether he can really improve and get to a high level defensively. Um, one of the other weird sort of quirks about his game was that, you know, um, his catch and shoot numbers were kind of lower than you would expect for a good shooter. Um, like, why? <laughs> it seems kind of weird, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's more of a... I'd say he's more of a scorer than a shooter, although he's still a good shooter. Um, his catch and shoot numbers were actually better at Louisiana Tech before he transferred. Okay. Um, it was okay. it was low it was lower volume there, so that was also two years ago. So I mean, take that how you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd say he's more of a scorer than a shooter. And there there were quite a few players who um, actually have just showed that they were better shooting off the dribble than spotting up. Uh, Mason Jones from Arkansas is another one, but. But yeah, we'll see. I, I, I would uh, assume that he can improve his um, efficiency numbers and catch and shoot. Um, and sometimes with those kind of players, um, it can just be small sample size, which is why the numbers are low, or just maybe they're more of a rhythm shooter. And when they have the ball shooting off the dribble, it's just they're more in a rhythm instead of mm-hmm. just waiting for the ball to come to them. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it was a rhythm thing, but I don't have too much worry there. But that that is going to be pretty important for him to succeed at the next level because – with, with guys like him, there, there are only so many players in the NBA who are great scorers who can take that much on-ball usage. And normally, 59th pick, second-round players aren't going to even be given that opportunity, so they have to find other ways to produce. Um, right. but, but he is someone that who can provide a spark off the bench. So, so we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, I mean that uh, again. I just, I just, it's just weird. Um, you would normally feel like people's catch and shoot numbers are better than their pull up numbers, but um, yeah, I mean yeah. that normally is the case also. But there's, there are always a, a few exceptions there. But there's not like a technical thing. Like there's something in a shot where he, I don't know, specifically needs to dribble or handle or anything like that. It's, I don't, I don't even know how that would work to be honest. But yeah, I mean <laughs> there might be. Um, I'm not like the, the biggest shot doctor there. So th- mm. there are some body mechanics that someone might say to change. I, I'd probably look into that a little bit more and I could have an answer for you. But, but yeah, sometimes it's just as simple as just being more of a rhythm shooter or not, but, but yeah. Right, right. All right. Fair enough. Um, what would you say is the biggest area of improvement for him, uh, especially to, to, to get a consistent kind of role at the NBA level? Yeah, it would, it would be the, the combination of the catch and shooting and the defense as well. I think if he can improve those, improve those two things, uh, I think he has a, a decent chance to stick in the league as long as he gets an opportunity. Sometimes with, with these guys who are second-round picks or undrafted free agents, they're not, in, they're not put in a position to succeed or they're not given the right opportunity. I've always been of the opinion that there are a good amount of players that are like fringe rotation players that are in the league now that wouldn't mm. be in the league if they weren't given the right opportunity but they have the right opportunity. And then there are certain players that are out the league that would be in the league if they got the right opportunity. And then say the same thing. Um, some players would be out the league if they weren't. So, so yeah, if he's given the right opportunity and he improves on those two things, I think he has a decent chance of sticking. Um, but, but to have more of an impact, like to, to have more upside there, I think learning when to cut and relocate off the ball mm-hmm. can help as well because he is a good finisher, has athleticism. So using his cutting and slashing and, doing that and then getting finishes at the basket as well would be very helpful. And then also cutting opens up shots for other people as well. Cause if they have to tag him when he's cutting, someone's open for three. Right. For sure. Um, and you know, and that's the thing with like, it's so hard to project how someone's going to do in a different role. Cause the role that he played in Nevada is very, it's not impossible for him to play that same role with, with an NBA team, but it's just unlikely, right? There's only a few like lead ball handlers that get to do whatever they want with the ball. And so he's going to have to adapt. And that's the thing. But I mean, when you, you know, when you're working with this many tools, I feel like, especially as a score, that's always a good thing. And I think physically um, and even just like technically in this game, I think it's really just a matter of learning a new role and whether the Raptors will kind of let him learn a new role. So, I mean, how do you think he was going to fit with the Raptors in sort of in general? Um, I, to my sense is he's probably going to be on, Maybe like, I mean, the, the two ways going to be on the roster is like someone gets cut and then, you know, he's signed to, you know, one of those weird league minimum uh, second round pick deals, or he's going to be signed to a two way. Uh, I'm not totally sure how it's going to work out there, but how do you think he fits with the Raptors? I think, and, and the Raptors development system in particular. Yeah, I think that um, Raptors, his, his fit, he can bring a new skill to the team that like, I feel like his scoring, the Raptors do, they, they do have people who can score, but like, I think that they could always use another person who can create their own shot. Definitely, I thought that was pretty evident. I thought that was pretty evident in the playoffs as well. Yeah. So if he does work out, that's pretty important for the Raptors. I, I wouldn't expect much out of him right away. It's mm-hmm. always tough for a rookie to come into a, a really good team and contribute. And someone like him who probably won't have as much of an opportunity as Malachi Flynn would, it's just hard to do that. Cause sometimes players need to get in a rhythm, get confidence. And if you're given five minutes a game, you don't really have that chance. So yeah. I wouldn't expect much out of him right away if he gets it even better. But I think that he can bring that scoring to the, to the Raptors that they, that they um, can add someone to the bench who can do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, listen, I mean, uh, the Raptors have, especially recently, have picked more guys that would have, like, the physical tools 
to succeed and guard multiple positions. And the scoring has the scoring ability has been almost secondary to that. But if you look at guys like Pascal, uh, OG, uh, even DeLon Wright, who I thought you know was clearly a very skilled player, but I wouldn't say scoring was his like big skill either. Um, you know, Jacoperto as well. So, I mean, it's actually kind of nice to see the Raptors kind of shift directions a little bit. Again, this is a 59th pick, so maybe they just kind of took whoever was there, and it's not necessarily a strategy. But at the same time, I, I don't mind. I, I, as you mentioned, you know, Raptors could use some help on the offensive side, uh, you know, w- whether it's this year or, or down the line. Um, how do you think he projects? So I'll kind of ask you the same thing because you kind of wrote the same deal in terms of uh, a, a high outcome for him, a medium outcome for him, and a low outcome for him. Yeah, so – with someone with his scoring ability, I'll never I'll never rule out being a starter just because he's an impressive scorer and he's mm-hmm. very talented. But I think a more realistic high end outcome is just like an above average six man who okay. consistently provided good good spark off the bench. Um, the high end outcome would mean he improved his spot up shooting, which allows him to play off the ball at times as well, so he can provide a spark off the bench and create for himself. Or if they need someone um, in crunch time to help score, he can do that. But he also can play off the ball. And, and that allows um, him to earn more minutes. And then also that same high end outcome would just be some more consistency on the defensive end where he wouldn't be a liability there. And that can help him get more high leverage minutes. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that six man comp, um, especially. I think, uh, you know, but that, I think that would really take advantage of a guy with his scoring ability and his scoring tools. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm pretty excited. I think the Raptors, you know, um, overall did a decent job again they were picking 29th and 59th so it's not like they had um you know really really uh high picks to take like the you know um i don't know lamella balls of the world but at the same yeah, time right. i think they got two pretty solid players and um yeah i mean it, you know if you're looking at maybe me looking back at 29 and 59 and the players that were available you know were there other players that you thought you know might have gone in that range that the raptors might have you know, not missed on, but I guess passed on. Cause you know, I feel like for, for Raptor fans, they got really excited about like a guy like Desmond Bain, who was available. Um, Xavier Tillman, who was available around that first pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have, uh, I think Desmond Bain versus Malachi Flint is an interesting one. Okay. I don't mind going Malachi over Desmond. I don't mind going Desmond over Malachi. So I'm not really upset there. Um, I was a fan of, of Grant Riller, who ended up right. – I, I would have taken him in the first round, to be honest. He ended up falling all the way to the 50s, which that's where he was supposed to go in the late second round, so I wasn't surprised. But, so why is that, though? Because like, a lot of people liked him, too, and he clearly could score. Like, what, what's uh... – Yeah, it's, it's just a combination of him, um, I guess, being a little older, although there were um, a decent amount of older players in this class, but mm-hmm. also just playing in a not very competitive conference and okay. not being a good defender – as a um, as an older player in a bad conference was probably right, right. what worked against him, but he's a really talented offensive player. Um, so yeah, I think Malachi or Desmond would have been fine. I, I would have been cool with uh, Grant Rillo there, and I think that would have been a really good spot for him as well in Toronto. Hmm. But out of those three, those would be the three at at uh, twenty nine, and then at fifty nine, I like Jalen Harris. I like uh, Sam Merrill, who went right after. A few other guys would have been. Um, Nate Hinton, Tyshawn Alexander. Right. Those are all guys that I would have considered um, at 59. But like I said, I thought Jalen Harris was also a good value pick. So I can't really complain there at all. all right, for sure. Um, and then last question uh, before I let you go, man. Uh, and I really appreciate how generous you've been with your time and everything. Um, 
you know, the Raptors, obviously, they, they do have, I wouldn't say they have a lot of open roster spots, so that's probably hurting them. But um, in terms of guys that can get into training camp, Exhibit 10 deals, anything like that, training camp deals, um, are there people that the Raptors might be looking out for that, you know, you in particular, you really like that um, it's still out there and available? Yeah, so I think that most of the undrafted players that I already uh, that I liked have already been picked up to exhibit tens or two ways. So it, it it is tough now now that we're almost a week out from the draft. Right, of course. But but I uh, so there's not really anyone that I'm a huge fan of anymore um, that I say they should look at. But there are some players you can look at. One being uh, Lamine Janay. I don't think I've seen him. Um, I don't think I've seen him sign anything anywhere yet um, out, of, out of Cal State Northridge. Mm-hmm. He, he's one person I would um, bring up. I, I think people always use a Siakam comp for him. I'm not right. a huge fan of comparison. So I mean, listen, two, two African there, forwards, but... they always got to be compared, you know, like it's, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I can see there's a little bit of awkwardness to his game as well. So, I mean, I understand it. Um, but I mean, that'd be interesting to, to get him in Toronto with their developing system and, right, right, right. and even learning from Siakam a little also, uh, that'd be interesting. So, so we'll see if, um, that ends up happening or not. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. Right. But... I would not be surprised one, one bit, man. I know Masai <laughs> knows about him. I know Masai knows yeah, about so, him. Yeah. So, so, so we'll see. I think most of the other guys that I was, uh, like, I'm not even a huge fan of him, but I, but I see the upside with him. I think the other guys that I, that I really like, like I mentioned, Tyson Alexander, Nate Hinton. Right. Um, those guys have already been picked up. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that also hurts too for the Raptors because it's like it's not a very, very clear path to, uh, you know, where they're going to play. And then I think the bigger question is just like the G League, man. I, I don't know if you know what's going to happen with the G League, but Raptors really, really, really use the G League well. That's a real advantage for them. And if they can't, if that's not available this year because of whatever, um, that would really suck. And also, I mean, like, I think the, they really want the G League to be available because, like, didn't Jalen Green just go to the G League route? So the first season he someone does that, you don't have G League? Like, that would really yeah, suck, so, you know? Yeah, with, with with the G League development team, with with Kaminga and Jalen Green and, and mm-hmm. those guys, um, they've been – I've heard they've been working out already, and they're going <clears> to <throat> stay developing and stuff, whether there is a G League season or not. Right. They've already announced that they were going to have some, like, G League vets or whatever come in to scrimmage them and um in December. Right, right. So they've been planning for that, but a G League season would help a lot of players. And <clears throat> sorry, um, so we have all these guys who didn't even have the summer league this year. So yeah, all these fringe yeah. all these fringe players who were trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get two ways, trying to get those 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 contracts, didn't really have summer league to to show themselves this year so it, it's it's tough for them but it is also tough for teams who use the league to develop their players as well or yeah. have done a good job using their t- i mean people can still use their two ways but once they use their two ways they um sign another player and just exhibit tens and all that kind of stuff so right, right. see if it happens it's i hope it does i'm not sure if it does but it would be very beneficial beneficial for a lot of teams yeah, I mean, particularly for the Raptors, man. I mean, they they've used the G League yeah. in a very a variety of creative um, ways in terms of developing, in terms of getting guys reps, in terms of getting guys back from injury. Uh, hopefully, they they can do something. But uh, it, it's you know, I mean, look, it's an unprecedented time, as as people love to say about uh, you know the COVID era. So, Zach, man, listen, you've been r- really really helpful in terms of this podcast, in terms of me, you know, copying off your notes to uh, to, to talk about <laughs> these guys. So I really appreciate your time and everything like that. 
Again, you can you should definitely if you are curious about the two Raptors new guys. I mean, you're not going to have to wait long. You're just going like three weeks. They'll be playing basketball soon. But um, <laughs> you know, if you want to get a head start, if you want to look at some of these guys, uh, you know, your scouting profile uh, to me is what I found to be by by far the most informative and by far the most uh, useful. Uh, so you can find those um, at the uh, the Stepian. And um, yeah, Zach, man, thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug or anything like that before you go? Yeah, so thanks for having me on. One thing I will say um, before I plug anything is um, for everyone who wants to watch more Malachi Flynn or Jalen Harris, they, they played each other multiple times this year. So right. I would just, yeah. just just watch those games. I think there was one game where they both had really good scoring games. They both played very well, and I would just recommend that to anyone who wants to watch. Um, but, yeah, um, just follow me on Twitter at ZachMilner13. Um, look out for my work at the Stepian. And I also just created a Patreon. So if anybody comes uh, across my Twitter and sees it, and if you can afford to subscribe, I appreciate it. If not, totally understand. Because my, my content will always be free. I right. don't like putting stuff behind a paywall. Um, I want everyone to see my content. But I, but I made a page just in case. But yeah, I would say this. Follow me on Twitter and, and look out for my content in the future. I'm excited for this next um, draft cycle. Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, I mean, I, I was on the Patreon wave as well. And you know, um, you do great work, man. And I think, uh, you know, people should definitely check into that. So, uh, Zach, thanks for coming on. And listeners, I'll be back with more podcasts uh, later in this week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.